Yeah, well, my name is Mark, and uh, I'm the pastor here, and thank you for participating in Name Tag Sunday. I see uh, lots of name tags out there, and uh, this is something we'll do probably three or four times a year, just uh, because as the family grows, you, you meet somebody, and, and th- there's grace. You meet their name, you learn their name, and then the next time you see them, you say, now remind me of your name, and, and then the third time, you don't want to ask them their name again, but you really want to know, and so Name Tag Sunday will bail you out, and it's bailing me out, because there are some of you that I've seen a number of times, and ought to know your name by now, um, but there's like 400 of you, so I don't have them all quite nailed down. So uh, thanks for participating in that. Uh, It's a great way to make a large family uh, feel a little bit smaller. And I want to challenge you, the next time you see the name tags and you fill out a name tag, I want you to walk through those doors and I want you to sit in a different section than you normally sit. So if you usually sit back in that section, you'll come up here. And if you usually sit back over there, you'll come over here. And, and not systematic, because if we just rotate, then you'll all still be in the same section. And you can go back to your seat next week. It'll still be there, and it'll still feel like home. Um, but that's a great way to just get to know a few people that you maybe don't see. If you always walk through that door and sit down right there, there's a whole world over here that you've never met those people. So that's a great way to do that. And it's strategic as we launch into this new series titled A Family of Families. Um, I'm very excited to begin this series because um, when I had my first phone interview with uh, the search committee that was working with the LBA, um, one of the questions they asked was, how do you feel about the language of family of families? I said, wow, I really really like that language. Um, I can see how it could be loaded language because for me, family means stability. We didn't move around much. We had a warm, nurturing environment. Uh, For some people, that might not be what they think of when they think of family. Maybe they moved around a lot. Maybe it was chaotic. Maybe maybe it was a a dysfunctional family. And so um, so approaching it with a little bit of sensitivity and, and the realization that somebody walking through that door might hear a family of families and immediately go to a warm and safe and secure place well, others might come in and not have that experience. And so we talked through that a little bit, and, and I immediately started thinking through and praying through because I really liked the language, but I knew we were going to need to to define it and to put some flesh on it. And so that's part of what this series is behind or, or hoping to do because what kind of family of families Linwood Church is going to be is really, really important, isn't it? The kind of family and the kind of families that make up Linwood Church is critically important. And so whether family means good or bad, joy or sorrow, security or chaos, nurturing or dysfunctional, whatever comes to mind when you think of family, we want to define what type of family of families we want to be at Linwood Church. And so I have to get a little nerdy on you because I'm a recovering English major. I learned about a thing in college called hermeneutics. And if you've ever heard of hermeneutics, hermeneutics is a really interesting concept, especially as we bring it into the spiritual world, into our relationship with Jesus Christ as we approach his word. The principle of hermeneutics says that you understand the whole better when you understand each of the little parts. And you understand each of the little parts better when you understand the whole. You tracking with me? So when you read the whole Bible, you get one understanding of it. And then as you go through and you study specific parts of the Bible in the context of the whole Bible, you understand those parts a little better. But once you understand all the little parts better, 
then you understand the whole Bible better. So now you go back through the parts. And this is why I believe the writer of Hebrews could say that God's word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of joint and marrow. Because God's word has all these little parts that are marvelous and wonderful and rich. And it also has the whole of scripture and the whole of the character of God that it reveals to us. So when we talk about hermeneutics, we talk about understanding the little parts of the Bible, each book of the Bible, each verse of the Bible, through the context of the whole of the Bible, and vice versa. And when we talk about a family of families, to me that means that there are many small families that make up Linwood Church, which is one big family. And so as each of the families, the small families, becomes healthier and stronger and richer and more on centered with Christ, then our overall family will become healthier and richer and stronger and more centered on Christ. And as our overall family becomes healthier and stronger, you, you, you get where I'm going with this, as it becomes healthier and stronger, then each of the families that are calling it their church home can become healthier and stronger. And as God brings more families into this place, they will come into an environment where there's health and there's nurturing and there's care and there's compassion and there's all of these things. So the type of family of families that we want to be is important at the macro level for all of us as the family of Linwood Church, but it's also important at the micro level for your family, whether that's a family of one or a family of two or a family of five. We've got a, an image on screen uh, that, that was designed for this that has different sizes of families. You can see it down in the corner there. And they're at different stages of life if you look closely at that. And I think that's really important. So as we consider that, as we consider what type of family we want to be, we're going to look each week at a characteristic. And honestly, this could have been a year-long sermon series. I could go for a long time on the types of characteristics that we want. But I prayed through it, and I read through scriptures, and I, I whittled it down to six that we're going to focus on now. And maybe we'll do another one someday, and, and we'll look at some additional characteristics that we want to be. But today we're going to look at being a healthy family of healthy families, being a healthy family of healthy families. We'll also look at subjects like being a grateful family of grateful families, a prayerful family, a humble family, a united family of united families, and a missional or compassionate family of missional families. And that will set the stage as we move into summer here and as we uh, put some language to what type of family of families we want to be here. So if you'll join me on page 1506 of your Pew Bible or Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 and 18, we're going to look at this. And I love, uh, maybe my mind was already thinking agriculturally as we had spent the last two weeks in these sowing lessons and you reap what you sow. But as I thought, what is one of the best ways to talk about being a healthy family of healthy families? This language that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verses 17 and 18 came to mind. And so I'll read these words to you and we'll talk about it a little bit and then we'll move into something that's maybe a little bit more applicable that we can get our hands on. But Jesus is teaching, um, he's actually teaching about false prophets, but he, he references a principle that is rock solid and is absolutely appropriate to what we're talking about as having a family of families that is a healthy family of healthy families. He says in verse 17, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 
And so when we talked about sowing and reaping, if you sow tomato seeds, you're going to get tomato plants, right? And if you have a healthy tree, that healthy tree is going to produce healthy fruit. Likewise, if you have an unhealthy tree, it's going to produce unhealthy fruit. And I'm not off base substituting healthy for good in that first use of it. So while the New International Version translates it, a good tree bears good fruit, if you look into the original languages, or if you have a more literal translation like the English Standard Version or the NASB or one of those, it it recognizes that there are two different words that are being used. They're both translated as good here, but in the ESV it will say, a healthy tree bears good fruit, and an unhealthy, or I think it uses the word diseased, a diseased tree bears bad fruit. Now, both trees are bearing fruit, but the health of the tree determines the fruit. And so our families are bearing fruit. The health of the family determines the fruit that is born, and the health of the church determines the fruit that is born. Now, I want to be sensitive to this idea because I know that there are some incredibly healthy families where children have grown up and made some decisions that did not represent the values that they were raised with. And so I'm not, I'm not wanting to go too far into that discussion right now. But by and large, healthy families produce healthy children who produce and start their own healthy families. And the cycle continues. And unhealthy families often produce unhealthy families. And we see the same is true in churches. And so our bottom line today is that healthy things grow and accomplish their intended purposes. Healthy things grow, and they don't just grow larger or numerically. They grow deeper, they grow stronger, they grow richer in their experience, and they accomplish their intended purpose. And so pregnant in that statement is that there is an intended purpose that God has for you and your family. And there is an intended purpose that God has for Linwood Church and the Linwood Church family of families. And the healthier we are, the more we will be able to accomplish that purpose because healthy things grow and accomplish their intended purposes. So I want to start and talk a little bit about healthy families. And as we think about healthy families, we're thinking about healthy individual families, whether that's singles or couples or families with young kids or families with grown children. Healthy families have certain characteristics. And you get enough of them together and they decide to play nice, then you get a healthy church family of families that has certain characteristics as well. So it's kind of uh, dual thinking there. But healthy families and healthy churches are attractive and engaging, and empowering. Now, I could have come up with a lot of different uh, words to describe a healthy family, but I, I tried to whittle it down to three that maybe the others would fit into those categories. That healthy families are attractive. You, insiders and outsiders both want to be around. They, they, they want to be around. They want to be included. There's something that's attractive about a healthy family and about healthy relationships. They draw you in. As you think about being attractive, there's a drawing that takes place. And people from the inside and the outside want to be there. And one of our goals for our family, uh, as we go through the, the years where we got a lot of little kids and then we're going to have a lot of big kids, um, is that when our kids don't have to be around anymore, that they'll still choose to do so. And they'll still enjoy being around our family. 
The other, another um, characteristic is that they're engaging, that, that both those that are inside and those that are coming in from the outside want to be a part of what is taking place, that there's an engagement level that takes place in a healthy family. It's engaging. People are engaged in what's taking place. People are engaged in what's going on. They're engaged in whether it's a church family, and we're talking about the ministries or the outreach that's taking place. A healthy, a healthy family is engaging And the people that are in it and the people that are coming in from the outside, they want to be a part of what's going on. The third characteristic that I mentioned is that healthy families are empowering. Healthy families are empowering. And they allow people to grow stronger and more capable. They they fuel that. They feed that. They're empowering. They don't hold back the people that are part of the family, they, they empower them and send them out and launch them out. And they encourage. That's the, the word encourage literally means to put courage inside of another one. And say, you can do it. You can make it. You're, you're going to amount to something. I don't know what it is and I can't wait to see, but you're going to be great. You're going to do great things. And so um, uh, healthy families are attractive and engaging and empowering. And because of that, they ooze life and they ooze energy And they ooze trust. And these things grow within these healthy families because the relationships in a healthy family are transformational. People are growing. People are building. People are in process. And it's attractive and it's engaging and it's empowering. Now, unfortunately, the flip side is also true. And unhealthy families are unattractive, unengaging, and disempowering. The people that are in them don't want to be there. They can't wait to get out. They're not engaged in what's going on. Everybody's going in a different direction or they're just checked out completely. And they're not empowering. They, they kind of hold people down, push people down, tell them they're not, worth, they're not worth making a contribution. And so we see the opposite is true. They drain life, they drain energy, they drain trust in an unhealthy family environment. And this is why we want to cast a vision for Linwood Church to be a healthy family of healthy families And one of the reasons that these unhealthy families drain life and energy and trust is because the relationships and the the interactions are transactional. Whereas in a healthy family, they're transformational, and we grow as a result of the interactions that we have. In an unhealthy family, the reactions or the interactions are transactional, and everything feels like like it's going somewhere, like there's something behind it. Even compliments can become transactional. Uh, John Acuff, I I saw this on my Facebook page, it's got a little thing that shows you stuff you posted a year ago or six years ago or eight years ago. And there was a post that I made eight years ago quoting a guy named John Acuff, who, who's a, a writer that I've followed for a long time. And he said this, he says, if, if there's a but after the kind word that you just said, that's not a compliment. It's just an insult dressed up in a rented tuxedo of kindness. <laughs> I thought, boy, that's profound. Boy, that's profound. And in an unhealthy family, we compliment in order to make our point or make our case or we butter them up with this rented tuxedo of kindness and then we slam them with the thing that they're doing wrong. And so that's what makes them unhealthy is that all the relationships and all the interactions feel transactional. And so as we focus on being a healthy family of healthy families, I want to I talk about that difference between being transactional versus transformational in our interactions, because it starts with each one of us in our relationship with God. And I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, just as kind of a side point, that if we're not careful, we can slip into religion, which says, you get based on what you do. So if you want more, you do more. And if you 
aren't getting what you want, you try harder and you do more and you try harder. And that's kind of the mantra of religion. Whereas a relationship that Jesus Christ wants us to be in with him is a transformational relationship. It's not transactional at all. It's where he has given everything and it's ours and he opens it up to us and invites us into a relationship where we discover how it is to live in the rich and abundant life that he died for us to have. And when we talk about this transformational relationship, it starts in our relationship with God, that we approach God on the basis of transformation. God, transform me, change me from the inside out. I recognize that you died in order to pay the penalty for my sins so that I wouldn't be caught in this loop of do more, tried harder. Whereas religion says do, do, do. Jesus says done. It's done. It's been done for you. Accept the gift and live as a result of the gratitude that you feel for the gift of salvation that you've received. There's a huge, huge difference. And then as we move beyond our relationship with God, we go into our immediate family and our relationships with our immediate family. We focus on making them transformational, believing the best about each other, calling the best out of each other, affirming the best things about each other, and encouraging and strengthening each other in that healthy environment where we are all growing and becoming everything that Jesus wants us to be. Then we move beyond our family to our church family, from our church family into our community, and from our community into the world. It starts with our relationship with God and getting the vertical relationship right and making sure that that is transformational. As Paul says in Romans 12.1, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, which is all transactional. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve the good and perfect will of God, that you try it out, you try things his way, and it works, and you try it again, and it works, and you try it again, because it's changing you from the inside out. It's transformational, transformational. And then that goes into your family and the church and the world. Just like Jesus, when he tells them in Acts 1-8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and utter ends of the world. There's a progression. And so I see Jerusalem like your family and Judea like our church family and Samaria like our community and the utter ends of the world like our reach through missions. That there's a progression. As we get these relationships right, it flows out into everything that we do. And Linwood Church does. And that we do as individuals, we do as families, and we do as a church. And just to illustrate this, as I was writing this sermon and and preparing this, my mind went back to an evening that I spent with a really healthy family. And it was evident from the moment that I walked through the door Kids that didn't need to be there were there. They, were off, they could have been off in college doing any number of things, but they were there at home for the evening. And there was this mutual edification that was taking place, and, and the relationships were sincere, and the interactions that they had, you could tell there had been a rich pattern of transformational re- interactions, that it was attractive, and it was empowering, and it was engaging. And honestly, I didn't want to leave. It was just so calm and peaceful and and so healthy and I walked away from saying man I hope when our kids are that age that that's the experience people have when they come over that they would enjoy being around us that much and see the sincerity of the relationships that much and it just oozed life and energy and trust and it was truly truly wonderful So the question then becomes, how does the vision of that kind of a healthy family of healthy families, how does the vision become a reality? Well, I I thought of a number of different passages that might illustrate this, but I wanted to look um, in particular at uh, Colossians chapter 3. I suddenly wanted to create a second book of Colossians there, but that's Corinthians. There's one book of Colossians, chapter 3, page uh, uh, 1834, if you've got one of the pew Bibles. 
And I'm going to read verses 12 through 21. And I'll kind of pause or highlight the verbs in each verse. And we'll just work through this. This will be on the screen as well, if that's easier. I don't always do that because I want you to bring your Bible and I want you to read from your Bible and I want you to have a Bible in your hand. Um, But sometimes when it makes sense, we'll put it up on the screen as well to highlight certain verbs or certain phrases that are evident. And as you think about this, these are characteristics of a healthy family and a healthy church family. And Paul, in his wisdom, starts with the broader spectrum of a church family and then narrows it to a healthy Christian home family, household family. So listen to these verbs. In verse 12, he starts out and he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself. That's the the verb that we want to focus on in verse 12 and verse 14. And I want everybody to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Pretend you're blind for a minute. Close your eyes. Even the cool people that don't close your eyes when the pastor says close your eyes. Close your eyes and tell me on the count of three, what color pants am I wearing? One, two, three. Khaki. You got it. Nailed it. You can open your eyes now. Why did I do that? Because my clothes are immediately recognizable, aren't they? And they make an impression even when you're not paying attention to them, don't they? And so if we are intentional about clothing ourselves in compassion and kindness and humility and patience, those will be immediately recognizable just like the clothes that we're wearing. Just like the yellow shirt that Don is wearing or the blue shirt that I see back here or the white shirt over here. It's immediately recognizable when we clothe ourselves in compassion and kindness and humility and patience and these things that Paul, and he tells us in verse 14 to put love around all of them, that love would be the most immediately recognizable of all because love is transformative. Love is transformative. So we clothe, our, clothe ourselves with those things. And I almost made this, ver- this passage, this verse, the format for the whole series, that we would be a, a compassionate family of compassionate families, a kind family of kind families, a humility. And, and I just had a few places I felt like we needed to go with that that weren't here. But that's why we're starting with this as we talk about health. Then in verse 13, we're told to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's an action verb there. That, that is inherent in a healthy families. Healthy families are forgiving families, and they bear with each other, and they kind of put up with each other. I think that's how Eugene Peterson translated it in the message. He's like, put up with each other. Sometimes you just got to put up with people a little bit in a family environment, right? And you got to forgive when, you, when somebody forgot to put up with you. And then verse 14, we talk about over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We're putting that on again. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. We're going to allow God's peace to be at at work in us and to rule in us to the point that when we come to a decision, we let the peace of Christ come into that decision. Or when we experience conflict among our family, we're going to have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts as we navigate that conflict. Verse 16, let the word dwell in you richly. Let it happen. Allow the word to live in you and to live in you richly. How many of you ever stayed at a Motel 6? Just a few. We did one time. And, and we just realized that wasn't our favorite place to stay. And we've been in some really, really nice hotels as well. 
And I've always looked at that verse and I thought, I want to be a five-star hotel for Christ. I want him to dwell in me richly. I have, I have been in places where they expected you to dwell richly. And that's what I want my home to, my heart to be like for Christ, that he would dwell in me richly, that every accommodation would be made, that nothing would be off limits, that he would have the run of the house, the master key, and go into any place and do what he wants in that place to allow him to dwell in me richly. And then verse 17, do it all. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So basically, if you can't do it in the name of Jesus, don't do it. If you can't watch it in the name of Jesus, don't watch it. If you can't drink it in the name of Jesus, don't drink it. If you can't smoke it in the name of Jesus, don't smoke it. I mean, really, this is, this is getting at the point of holiness, that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can't say it to somebody in the name of Jesus, then don't say it. It's really, really pretty simple. And if you, if you think about that and imagine what it would like to be in a family where everybody followed just that one verse, they did everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a church family where that was the case, it's a wonderful, wonderful vision that God is calling us to. Before we move on from there, verse 15, 16, and 17 all tell us in some form or fashion to be thankful. Verse 15 says it outright. Verse 16 says that we would sing these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts to God. And verse 17 says that we would do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That there is something that gets unlocked in our lives, in our families, in our churches when the default is gratitude. When the default is to give thanks for what we have, to give thanks for what God is doing in our lives, to give thanks for each other, and, and it's powerful. So next week we're going to talk about being a grateful family of grateful families, a grateful family of grateful families, that we would practice gratitude in all of our interactions, and we would thank each other and express that to each other in real and powerful ways, that we would be grateful to God and that we would spend time each day thanking God for the blessings that we have. Now, verse 18 and 19 narrow it into the home. And so we'll look at at these two together and the verbs that they include. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he also references these same concepts. He does so right after he says in verse 21, Therefore, submit to one another to each other, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, uh, ladies, you're not the only ones that get to submit. Guys, there's submission that takes place as we submit one to another. Now, the male is the head of the household, as as Paul lays out in Scripture, and the wives submit to the husbands, and the husbands love their wives. And you might think submitting is hard, and showing unconditional respect is hard, but I would submit to you that showing unconditional love is even harder sometimes. And when we're talking about agape love, self-sacrificing surrender, If you have a a wife who is showing unconditional respect to a husband who is showing unconditional, self-sacrificial surrender to that wife and that family, that is a transformational relationship. And those are the types of relationships that we are called to have in our families and in our churches. Then he moves on to children. He says, children, obey your parents. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And so while the immediate context in the family is, is talking about parents and children, I think there's a case to be made that in the broader setting, this would be leaders and followers, that leaders would, would follow and that 
or I'm sorry, that followers would follow their leaders and that leaders wouldn't be harsh with or, or take advantage of uh, their followers. So there's an expansion of this that takes place as well. And if you take these 10 verses as a whole, you see verbs, 10 verbs that help us to accomplish the vision of a healthy family filled of healthy families. And the last thing I'll say about this is I believe family health is a dance. It's not a destination. It's not like you finally check all 10 boxes and you say, you're right. We're a healthy family now because somebody will change, right? Somebody is going to change. Something's going to change. The circumstances are going to change. A kid's going to graduate and move on. Now what does a healthy family look like? Or you're going to have another child and, and you're going to not sleep for a month. Well, what does a healthy family look like when you haven't slept for a month? And, and the context determines this a little bit. So it's a little bit of a dance. But if everybody is seeking the same things and we're after the same things and we're focusing on the same things, then we will see those transformational relationships taking place and healthy and the fruit that it produces might change too. So our bottom line today was that healthy things grow and accomplish their intended purpose. And I want to make it really clear, and maybe I should have said it early on. I'm not preaching this sermon because I think Linwood is sick. I'm not, not at all. Linwood is strong. Linwood is healthy. There are a lot of healthy things happening here. It got awful quiet, and I started to wonder, does he, does, do they think that I don't think that these things are present here? Not at all. And I don't think that they're not present in your family. What I'm wanting to do is call out and give voice to the positive things because what gets celebrated gets repeated. And what we focus on and where we set our sights, and if we set our sights on those things together, then they'll become an increasing reality. And as your family becomes even healthier our family becomes healthier. And as our family becomes healthier, your family can become healthier, and the two can reinforce each other as we grow. Because your family has a purpose to accomplish, and our family as Linwood Church has a purpose to accomplish. And the healthier we are, the more growth we'll see spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, the more healthy we are and the more we align our lives with Jesus Christ and the principles that are taught in his word, the healthier we'll be. The more we'll grow, the more we'll accomplish our purpose. It's critically important that we accomplish our purpose as an individual family and as a collective family of Linwood Church. And as we think about, as we think about being a family of families, one thing that we all share in common Every family in here, every individual, every couple, every family with young kids, every family with adult children, is that we have a Heavenly Father. We have a Heavenly Father who's fighting for us, as we sang this morning. One of my favorite scriptures keeps coming back to mind, and it's from Exodus 14, 14. And it says, the Lord will fight for you, you need only be still. And if we're looking to him and we're allowing him to fight for us, to fight within us, to fight through us, together, then we're going to accomplish our purpose. And we're going to accomplish what God has set before us as individual families and as a corporate family. He's a good, good father. So as we close out today, we're going to sing that song that's become fairly familiar in recent years, that we sing to our good, good father, that he loves us, that he's fighting for us. And so as we close in prayer, we'll begin to sing. And I would just encourage you, whether, whether you want to stand and sing that, whether you want to make an altar where you're seated, whether you want to come towards the front and, and have a special time of prayer, or if you want to visit with me, I can meet over here and, and talk. There's opportunity to respond here. 
And if there's been some conviction or there's been uh, something where the Holy Spirit has tapped you on the shoulder and said, pay attention to this. This is where God's word might be intersecting with your life right now. Then I encourage you to respond in faith to that. Respond in faith to God's word as, as we have encountered it today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you are good. And that you are for us. That you act on our behalf that you speak to us through your word, that you've revealed yourself to us and you've revealed the vision that you have for our lives, Lord. And it's not plans to harm us, but to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, to impact this world through us. And so, God, as we pray to you today, we ask that if there are any areas in our lives, in our families, in our church family that aren't as healthy as they could be, that your spirit would reveal those to us and that we would respond in faith. And we celebrate the good that you're doing in each of our lives as our good, good father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.